Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode 197, Fighting the Superficial to Find the Truth. Now I think if uh, already you've noticed or maybe realized that sometimes the show, as much as it's about you know literary things and about writing and even about writers, it's also about the frame of thought or even some of the philosophy that we hold on to, good and bad, that can help shape us as people. And often what shapes us as people can sometimes shape us as writers. We have to learn to, you know, resist or overcome that if we're going to be uh, something more than just the average person on the street. Because if we're just the average person on the street, it doesn't matter what we write, it's going to be the same nonsense. It's not going to stand out. It's not going to be anything interesting. Now, when I'm talking about fighting this superficial to find the truth, well, that's one of the biggest things we have to do in our lives, okay? Because the world is quite superficial, all right? We have a, a world that's pretty much, uh, especially in the Western civilization, bent on modern values that often don't have any moral value to it, all right? And, and if you think about the extreme uh, ideologies of Shia, you know, the Muslim terrorists, extreme ones, or, or just communists in general, I'm, they're wrong about the overall beliefs because they don't really believe in the individual. They believe in more of a collective thing. But there's one thing they are right about, and it's about the accusation that, that the West is becoming a soulless place trapped in consumer spending. Uh, that's, that's pretty much true. If you look at the religious participation just of Europe, it's it's abysmal. I mean, it really is. I mean, the average neighborhood that's full of somebody who's not Christians is probably three times more religious. I mean, sometimes it's wrath with crime and not in crazy ideologies, but nevertheless, it just shows you where the direction of our society is going. And and if you realize anything from Nazism on to other other extreme ideologies. Uh, they're never based on just a whole bunch of falsehoods. They usually have some core foundation of truth. That's usually how evil operates. It, it needs a little bit of truth to kickstart it before it moves on to all the other fantastic things they, they say that have no truth. So, um, unfortunately, all these people are right about how we act in society. Now, think about it. It's not just the world. Okay, the, the next is the work in the family, all right? Think about this, our daily lives. People are really honest about anything, all right? Work is a war zone full of competitors, and dishonesty is practically a survival mechanism to guard against a mob of business strangers. Family? <laughs> family is full of civil rivalry. Politeness merely a veneer to disguise the ugly truth that blood is not immune to dislike. And you wonder why you have so many problems with people out there. It's because, you know, the work is a, is a rough place where no one really is getting along. No one really likes each other. And no one really trusts each other. It's rare to find that. 
and families is even worse. And unfortunately, some of the biggest lies come out of families, as they all pretend in a photograph or in a meeting or even in a, in a public venue, you know, to be a, a, a solid unit. And they all want—they all trying to kill each other. They're all stabbing each other in the back. I haven't found a family that wasn't any different yet. So I doubt yours is any different than mine or anyone else's. That's the truth of the matter, okay? And, and it's really ironic because everyone loves the quote is, it's business, not personal. But in reality, all our transactions are business, including ones in the family. Because we're really personal except for those that we deem are not a threat. You know, you'll, you'll always find somebody that'll tell you that um, he just seemed like such the nicest fellow. Always had something nice to say. He dropped off this and he helped me with that. And, and you find out that was the person that was the the least uh, close to them. So therefore, the least threat to them. So of course, they were going to be the nicest to them. Everybody else, forget it. This is what we're dealing with. And when you're dealing with coming from a, a, a work world, of viciousness and then coming from a family life that's simply dishonest and two-faced at best. If you haven't figured out a way to navigate out of that, I mean, your writing isn't going to really produce anything that's necessary for someone to connect with out there in the world because it's the same stuff that everybody else is going through. You're going to be repeating the same fable and the same lie over and over again. Yeah, my parents are great. Yeah, my brother always looked out for me. Yeah, my system was awesome. Okay. And reality is something different. You know, it's sad because in the 21st century, we're steering towards more and more of people wanting to legalize drugs. Yeah, drugs are boring. Drugs are old hat. You want to be a rebel in the 21st century? Don't take drugs. That's just, everybody else is doing that. Boring. You're not original. You know, you want to be a rebel? Stick to reality. Deal with reality. Handle reality. Maybe even work hard to change reality. That's when that's when you're a rebel. You're a rebel when you believe in reality. You believe in drugs and and government and ideologies. Well, you're just another another person stuck in the fantasy like too many others. But you're not a rebel. You're actually part of the establishment. You're pretty much a conformist. That's how much things have twisted around from the 1960s hippie days where drugs were a rebellious tool. Now they're, they're pretty much standard. The standard is an iPod, my stash of drugs, and uh, my sign saying that the world must end tomorrow. That's uh, You're pretty much the establishment figure now. You're not a rebel anymore. You're a rebel if you want to save your money, if you actually want to pray and believe in God, and you actually just want to deal with reality. Then you're a rebel. And probably a dangerous one the way this world is going. Now think about it this way. If you're a writer, the best ways, and in the past as much as it is in the present, the best ways is you need to speak truth by piercing the canopy people put over their lives. That's how you're going to be a rebel. That's how you're going to make a difference. Because again, if you're simply just mimicking all the same stuff that everybody believes, you know, like they do on the newscasts, you can go through three or four of them and you hear almost the same phrases, let alone the same story and the same position. That, that's how pathetic they are. You could be just like that as a writer because you don't want to challenge anything. You don't want to do anything that's interesting and new. God forbid you actually have to tell the truth about something because that's what you need to do as a writer these days. Is no longer about 
you copying the fantasy of, of everybody else. You need to be able to go beyond what everybody else is doing. Okay? You need to talk more about the person who supposedly is a caring supervisor, but they're not. Or the dutiful daughter. But she has, you know, seven drugs and eight boyfriends. And not too dutiful. Alright, or we could talk about some of the more controversial things. Believe it or not, these things are controversial. Teachers and cops, okay? I call them the disguises worn by professions that used to be callings. They used to be callings. Teachers and cops. Now they're reduced to careerist jobs where self-protection is more important than carrying out the responsibility. That's what it is. I, this is what I've discovered I, in my own short uh, experience with teachers because I have children that are in elementary school to still. And one now, just first year of high school. The same stuff. Nothing like when I was growing up. I can tell you a handful of teachers I've met in the past uh, seven or eight years that even met that kind of measure of, of a calling of somebody that's superior that actually cared about their job. All the rest of them, just a nine-to-five clock-out people. You know, I, I've caught teachers making mistakes on tests, and I had to tell them to correct it so my, my son's score would be increased. I've caught them copying stuff on the internet, using it as a lesson plan. You know, God knows I've caught them uh, lying and being political and simply dodging whatever they can possibly dodge. And these are people that I'm supposed to be counting on to educate my children. These are the people that have my children in many instances uh, throughout the day more than I do. I mean, if you think about it, you know, until they go to bed at, at, at 9 o'clock, let's say, you know, they, they've had my kids more time than I've had them in the daytime. I've had them six hours, and, you know, they've had them at least, at least eight. So I'm literally trusting somebody more with my kids than myself. That's why it's so important, not only as writers, but as parents, to make sure that we're putting in our own values into our kids. Because the stuff they're going to get from school and, and society, not helpful. Just damaging and, and, and certainly full of a lot of fantasy. But this is what's necessary. We have to go beyond what we see. So it's not bad to put in a character or, you know, or even a cop. Now, I, I, I'm not making fun of cops in the same way other people do, that, you know, they're this crazy racist shooting everybody all day long, because I already know that's not the case. But no longer, again, is, is a cop just a, a public servant. They have to be so careful about so many different things. How, how what they say, some of them have to wear cameras, how to approach people, all these things. And sometimes they have to risk their lives just to make sure they don't, they don't have their job in jeopardy. I mean, I've had people com uh, complain to the city council, but he approached my car holding his gun. I don't know. What do you want him to do? Hold his, his nuts? I mean, he has to hold something. He don't know who the hell you are. It's a dangerous, dangerous job. <laughs> this is amazing. But again, there's another job that's become less and less uh, of a calling and more and more of this uh, uh, of a job where they have to navigate every legal and, and, and social, you know, uh, strange thing that comes out just to be able to do the job. You know, I continue to hear cops that they stay away from areas just because they don't want to make arrests. The day for them is just to not get too many calls and go home. That's how bad it's becoming. We need to write about stuff like that. I'm not saying everything you write about. I'm just saying that some of that has to be put in there. you got to be able to go beyond the stories that we're hearing about and, and, and learning what's going on and talk about it. Nothing's ever going to change if you don't do that. All right, now you could write, don't get me wrong, you still live in a free society, especially here in America. Well, at least for now, anyway. You could write about the stuff that's safe all day long, okay? Butterflies and bullfrogs. Go at it. 
No one says you don't have, you can't. Some people will publish that, other people will check it out, whatever. It's just a, you know, a momentary lapse in whatever ridiculous thing they're going through in their day. But this is not the kind of writing that's going to make a connection with people who are also frustrated with the superficial. They want to make an impact. They want you to make an impact. They want to know if anyone else notices what they're seeing. The chances are is that it's being seen by these people, but they're too busy being afraid to say anything. So if you want to be a writer, say something. Otherwise, you're just another bystander gawking at the accident in front of your eyes. And that's what I see a lot of writers, bystanders. How the hell are you going to call yourself a writer if you're just simply mouthing off and mimicking the same nonsense you hear from your neighbor or from the television set? Or from some Hollywood celebrity who doesn't live any of the life they're talking about. They live behind gates, behind walls, all the things they disagree with. With people with armed guns, and they send the kids to private schools. But they're out there all day long. I'm for public schools, I'm against guns, and walls are bad. And all of these things they practice on a regular basis, 24 hours a day. We need to be writing about stuff like that. The, the hypocrisy. So that other people know what's going on out there. Now, again, I'm not suggesting you need to do this every day. I'm not suggesting you need to make this some gigantic feature article once a month. What I am saying is whatever you're doing writing-wise, whether it's poetry or fiction or all of the above, novels, whatever, you need to include things like that in your book so folks know that you recognize what's going out there, that you're just not part of whatever big message that everybody seems to be agreeing upon. To me, that's not a free society when I turn on four news channels and they're all saying exactly the same thing. I, I worry about stuff like that. I really do. Because it's, it's beyond Big Brother. Because the government is not ordering these people to say these things. They're doing it on their own. Orwell never realized that, that oftentimes a society can be changed and have its freedom stripped because of corporations and because of individuals using equipment to spy on other people. None of it has to come from the government. He always thought this was going to be government-driven. It just never accounted, occurred to him that in the future, companies and people would have an enormous amount of power, too, and they could do bad things that, that can harm society. He just thought it was all going to come from the government because, you know, the government is supposed to be the most organized and have the most funds and, you know, have the most resources. Uh, wrong. We're in the future here now where that's not the case you know, any longer. So many things have happened that have changed it. I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it probably until the day I die. Being a writer is no longer about talking about landscapes and Looney Tunes. Too many things are going on right now. Now, I, I've told people on the show and even in my uh, magazine, Aerial Chart, you know, please don't go too overboard on COVID, you know, because we get a lot of that stuff and, and you hear so much of it. You know, but it doesn't mean that's a firm rule. If somebody has something that's generally insightful about uh, this horrible pandemic, hey, why not put that out there? I don't have a problem with that. I'll always look at it. I've published some stuff already, so it's not like I haven't. I just don't want every other third poem to be about COVID, about the same stuff we all went through. Yeah, I went into a bar with a mask, and people made fun of me because they said I was a weak dork head, and I bought them all a drink, and afterwards they still called me a dork. Yeah, we, we got that, okay? 
I mean, just come up with something that's, that's clever and interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look at it because at least you are talking about things that are out there. This is something that, that people can, can really connect to. Something, something deep and, uh, you know, and, and useful. I mean, there's so many things out there we could be talking about. I mean, is it really, if you think about it, is it really safe to fly with COVID going on right now? I, I don't think that it is. And the reason why I don't think that is is because one of the problems with COVID is is that they say things that fly in the face of logic and common sense that we all know about. We banned smoking. Now, I'm old enough to remember when you'd be able to smoke on a plane, and I did. I don't smoke anymore. But they banned smoking because, uh, you know, the secondhand smoke can get into the cabin and maybe eventually get into people and they can get lung cancer. Okay. Smoke, all right? But somehow, uh, yeah, if you have COVID-19, you're on the plane, you're fine. Nothing's going to happen to other people. You're breathing in the air, you're breathing out the air, you know, but somehow the smoke magic can get in your lungs. But not not, not the virus. No, that that's okay. These are the things that are, that are dumb. That don't make, any, don't make any damn sense at all. They really don't. Those are the things we should be looking at and talking about. Instead of overreacting to every little thing that goes out there. And I blame the companies as well as the people. This whole thing with Johnson & Johnson, completely stupid. Okay? Seven million doses out there. Literally eight people have a problem with blood clotting. Let's pull the drug. Find out what happened that maybe can make the, a few, the very few that are out there susceptible to it if you can. And go about your business. But that's what you do. Because I don't understand. What about the, the, the 6,900,999,004 that got it that nothing happened to? Many of them getting that drug because it's only one dose. Some of them have hemophiliac issues. Have, uh, some of them have immune system issues and all kinds of things where the one dose is more recommended than having the two doses. Especially since that second dose from the vaccine uh, Pfizer and Moderna it tends to be a, a real wallop. Now, let's pull something out that's, that's pretty much working. Now, I'm not making light of the fact that eight people got themselves, you know, damaged and having health issues. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying they don't count for anything. What I'm saying is, is that, again, we've had vaccines for the last 60 or 70 years, and they work effectively. There are a few people now and then that have a reaction. Now, you, you deal with it the best you can. You try to help the people out, and that's all you can do. But your job is, is try to make everybody as safe as possible. And you're not making people safer. You're pulling drugs off the market that actually work. So I'm glad that we're going to return that. But those are the things we need to be talking about. Instead of worrying about, oh, someone's going to get upset. We live in a society where people are going to get upset about everything. I get people who, who email me and, and, and uh, they're upset about this show. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Uh, what, what, what can't you believe I said? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sorry I said something that um, you heard different on CNN. It's called a free society. I'm an individual. I don't have to agree with any of that stuff. I agree with what I think I agree with. And at least I make a real case. I just don't blurt it out and say, I'm with, I'm with the network. I must be right. At least I give you some facts and some evidence before I just blurt out something. Just like with the airline thing I just talked about. I gave you the common sense reason why it doesn't make any sense that the airline would be safe. Now, I understand people's jobs are at risk. I understand that, you know, stopping airlines from flying definitely hurts the economy. I got all that. Okay, but let's not pretend that it's safer, though. 
do what you can to sanitize, put your mask on, but you are taking a risk. You are. So let's not pretend that it's not. They ought to probably put a sign up there. You're taking a risk. It's not guaranteed. Because it's not. Now this is the reason why it is so important as writers for us to be somebody that is separate amongst the other people. That's who we are. And I get I get a lot of writers these days that I can tell from the nature of their questions, they don't want that. God, I don't want someone to think I'm a bore or a bonehead. I don't want someone to possibly think I'm a bigot. Well, if you're not saying anything bigoted, you don't have to worry about it. If they use the term against you, you should be able to come back to them and say, really, what are you talking about? Because those people, they, they really don't understand what, them, what that means half the times any longer. But people, they live in too much fear. As writers, we can't be living in fear because we're not going to be able to write anything that's going to be useful, anything that somebody can hold on, anything that somebody can read secretly in a plane or in, in, in a bus or in their car at school or at work or something and say, Oh, thank God, somebody else out there is kind of grasping what I'm grasping. You know, that's the connection that you need to be able to make. Because that, that encourages people to say, hey, yeah, I need, to, I need to think about that. I really do. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, and sometimes you're going to get a firestorm from it. Oh, well, that happens. Deal with it and live with it. But it'll tell you also that you made some real, real connection over there. I, I, if you remember, I had an episode where I, uh, I criticized uh, J.K. Rowling for some of the stuff she said uh, about the whole tra transgender situation. I'm, I'm not going to change what I said, but I can tell you something that the substance of some of what she said, it's not something I disagree with as a parent. Yeah, you're going to be concerned about somebody where you're not even sure where they're coming from on gender or anything else, and they're in there with your kid when you're in, in the bathroom. It's a scary situation. You know, it, it really is. I don't like the way she presented it and how she came about it because she really did sound, you know, transphobic. She definitely sounded like, you know, she was just somebody that was trying to have a, you know, a pitchfork rally against these folks, which I'm not in for. But again, I don't see people in these organizations doing a very good job about trying to explain what's going on. They don't. And that's really to their fault on why some of that stuff is out there, why there are misconceptions, why there are fears, why there are misunderstandings and bad information. They're not exactly helping. So sometimes part of the writer is, is to try to understand what's going on and maybe speak some truth to that. You know, have even an incident or something that's interesting in your writing about some of these things that are going on that helps illuminate people's thoughts about, oh, yeah, that's true. That's what we're supposed to be doing as writers. Now, I'm not saying, like I mentioned before, about the uh, butterflies and the bullfrogs. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be writing about those things. I'm not saying don't write about those things. I'm not saying, you know, even if you did all your life write about these things, that you're, you're not a writer, you're not inconsequential. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that if you look at the balance of writing that comes out these days, a lot of it has more to do with that sort of stuff than stuff that can can start a conversation, maybe even provoke uh, a thought or rethinking of something, e even if it happens to be an argument. Oh, well, we need to also be doing that too. 
I used to laugh, and I still do. I used to laugh about uh, Tom Hanks. I mean, he he never found a a, a, a political um, a theory or, or or consequence or anything that he put in his movies that was controversial. He always did something that people was pretty much okay with. He never went out there on the limb about anything, ever. Never has. Now I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm just saying as you know, as as an actor. That's what people do. Some of them will, will chase after the really controversial, interesting things, and others, like him, they just want to stay safe. Now, he's done a good, great job of being safe, but it doesn't work for everybody. It just happens to work for him. The rest of us, we have to do something that's interesting. We have to do something that's a bit provocative. That's really what your job is as a writer. I, I'm sorry to say... And I don't mean to make fun of it, but you're not going to have any new angles on the butterfly, okay? I think all the things that are involved in the bullfrog, uh, they've been covered already, okay? So you're not going to come out with anything interesting about that either. So we're not going to the, the complicated world that we'll continue to make it. And, and why is the world complicated? Part of the reasons why is there's too many people agreeing with each other for the sake of so-called unity. But it's not unity if they secretly don't agree with each other. They just do that because it's a way to beat up on other people. Or they don't want to actually say anything different because, God forbid, you know, someone's going to get mad at them. It's a sad comment in the 21st century that supposedly we have the most freedom, yet in many instances uh, people are afraid to talk. We got the most freedom as writers to get things published, and all I hear all day long is writers complaining about. I don't know how to do this. This is not right. I can't understand marketing. But we have freedom. You know what freedom means? Freedom means that you actually have to get off your ass and do something. It means you got to get off your butt and say something. It means that guess what? If you want anything to change in the world, you're probably going to have to help change it yourself because the next 10 people over to you, they're too busy just tone the line. Why? Well, because first of all, they're not writers, and second of all, they're not anybody of any social consequence. I don't like a lot of these stupid movements that are out there on the street, especially when it seems like all they do is help uh, sponsor violence and looting and, and, and dumb stuff. Not helpful. But at least they're out there trying to get their message out. They're actually out there. You got a lot of people who have messages that are not out there. Well, I don't want someone to see me. Oh, I don't know if I want to upset my neighbor. I don't know. Well, well, I guess the world doesn't change then. It just gets worse because so many people are looking the other way. I remember reading and I also heard this in the, in, in a history class one time where folks were saying and those those Germans, boy, they just have a lot of responsibility for Hitler and everything because, you know, he did a lot of this stuff in, in, in the power of their name. And that happens to be true, by the way. But guess what? It's not just the Germans that do this. We got people here in the United States every day, two minutes ago probably, okay, that co-signed nonsense that they don't even believe in themselves just because... It'll help their career. Or it'll keep nonsense away from their sporting stuff. Or they just want to make uh, friends uh, with their neighbors. Even though they don't, it's not friends, just to agree with somebody for the sake of not having an argument. That, that's not friendship, okay? That's called capitulation, all right? 
It, it really borders on cowardness. But this is the kind of world and society we have. So let's not make fun of those Germans too quickly there, okay? Or the Italians. I can't believe Mussolini did this. I blame the Italians. They didn't do anything about it. Yeah, first chance they got to hung him and his girlfriend off a lamppost. Okay, so don't say they wasn't interested in doing anything about it. They were just too busy getting shot at and put in jail. But hey, it seems like the only people who are getting shot at and put in jail these days are the people that are protesting. I don't agree with half the stuff they're even protesting about. But hey, at least they're out there getting their message out there. Other folks need to do the same. There's not just one message that is out there. If we want the society to be any better as writers, we need to be able to bring that into focus. That's extremely important. I got a, um, I got a writer, and she, uh, she's, a, I guess, she, I don't know if you want to call it making it a specialty or not, but she certainly is uh, making a recurring theme where she wants to write about the uh, the feminist or, or, or the female aspects uh, that are not being really presented in Judaism. And so she wrote uh, an essay. I published it. She has another one. I'm going to be publishing that uh, next month as well. And this is what I'm talking about on people that take their writing. Now, she writes about lots of other things, too. This is not the only thing she writes about. But, again, she is taking something that she cares about and putting it out there. It's probably going to get a few people upset, blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of religions, I mean, I'm not going to point to Judaism as the only one because, you know, Islam and Christianity and lots of others are, are, are very much male-dominated too. When was the last time you seen a Buddhist monk who was a female? So let's let's not uh, let's not get carried away with uh, you know it's just one people doing this. All the religions are pretty much male-dominated. They probably all have female adherents that say, "When the hell am I going to get my person out there talking about my?" concerns in my image in this whole thing my gender it's not an unfair comment to make just depends on how you do it but again writing will be a good aspect towards that good way to put those kind of messages out i'm not suggesting that we're supposed to be writing some you know inter intergender interracial interpolitical freaking warfare on writing all day long okay but if we don't like the things that are out there or the things that are being said, or if we feel that we're maybe ourselves, maybe the group we are on or whatever, being targeted unfairly, well, you have to respond if you want to be able to make your point. And, and writing is one of the very best ways of doing that. And I'm just really, I guess you could say, disappointed that too many writers are just not interested in doing that, you know? I, in the literary journal, I tell you, half the stuff that I have to turn away is more family-oriented and stuff, you know? And I'm saying to myself, are you going to tell me that all the stuff that's gone on just in the last five years, okay? Race riots and looting and burning of cities and police being shot and people choked to death and pandemics and different crazy elections being altered and some people are believing they're not even fair half the times. And you're going to write about, you know, your grandson? And you're going to write about, you know, your old hometown 65 years ago? This is the only thing that's on your mind? I'm not saying these are not legitimate things to worry about. But I get too much of that to wonder where these people are. I can tell you where they are. Not They're not on the front line saying anything that's going on in society right now. They pull themselves away. So they can write about butterflies and grandkids. Those are legitimate topics. But do you got anything more? You know? 
You got anything more in that in, in, in that ammo badge than that? Because this, that's what I seem to get a lot of. I have to turn a lot of it away just because it makes me fall asleep. Even the stuff that's written well. It gets tiring. I mean, come on. You can't write something about society that's going on right now and still include your grandson in it? You know, blah, blah, blah. And boy, I hope my grandson can survive this in the future. I like to see this change. And I'm going to try to do something right now to change the world a little bit for my grandchildren. That's what I tell grandparents all the time. Okay? You want to be great grandparents? Okay? Uh, how about you do more than the traditional role of spoiling them, the death with candy and, and babysitting? Why don't you do something to try to help fix this world so that it'll be better for them when you're gone and they have to go into it? Because remember, your, 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 your years on the earth generally are going to be smaller than theirs. So maybe you could do something that way. Maybe that's a, a way for a grandparent to do something, strike a blow for the grandkids, strike a drill for a better world. I don't, I don't see a lot of that. And, and then you wonder why things don't change. Because we've got too many people that are, I don't know, too, inter too much interested in, in whatever traditional role they thought they had, and they're going to live it up to the end of time. But it doesn't really do anything for anyone. It really doesn't. Go beyond what people are showing you. Go beyond what people are covering up. Go beyond what they, con what they constantly say and see if they live that way. Those are the things we need to be writing about because that really exposes a society that's not living what it should be living. And maybe if it did, we'd have more people talking to each other. I mean, I know it sounds like science fiction and it probably sounds controversial. That's the kind of world we live in right now. But wouldn't it be incredible to have a, a couple of different racial groups get together at a table? A national conference televised and talk about their issues, trying to figure out what that can be done. Hmm, wouldn't that be incredible? No, let's not do that. It's just easier uh, cursing each other, yelling at stuff, demanding things, and burning cities. That that's easier. I don't know what that does for our children. I don't know what that does for the future or or for our country. But those are the things we're writing about. I wrote about. I wrote an entire essay about. Why don't we just do what South Africa did, have that National Reconciliation Conference, and try to work out some problems. Generally, it worked for them. So I don't know why it couldn't work for us. We're supposed to be the greatest nation on the earth. We're supposed to be the most advanced people. Yet we're throwing marks at each other like cavemen, cavewomen. Oh, transgender people, cave individuals. I don't even know the word anymore. God knows I'm trying. But you see my point here. We can't do that. So that's how we're going to be able to fight the superficial to find the truth. we got to go behind the superficial to find the truth. And we got to be willing to go there. I mean, I, I can't tell you a generation that don't know anything about the Wizard of Oz. And they all love quoting that thing about, yeah, that, that wizard behind the curtain, boy, he was just manipulating things. Yeah, hmm? There's people like that all the time in society. Are you going to be able to walk behind the curtain and find out? Is this a, just a dork behind there pulling the strings? You were just a puppet? And, and their mad poetry play of perversion? Hmm.
No, that's the problem in society today. We know what's going on. We know that is one of the cases. We just don't have enough people willing to walk behind it and say something. And until we do, as writers or just as citizens, we're not going to have a better world. We're going to have the same world we had yesterday or maybe even a, a little bit worse. In case you've noticed, it seems like it's getting worse. It's not enough people to say or do anything about it. So be a writer for a change and do something about it. Say something about it. Put something out there. You'll feel better about it. And you'll be the writer that you're supposed to be. All right, folks. Until next time, that is episode 197, Fighting the Superficial to Find the Truth. This is Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. As you know, we got a, a lot of wonderful things coming up with um, and with May. Uh, at the end of the month, we're going to do that um, Thoughts About Emily Dickinson. That's going to be interesting, talking about all the interesting faults. and oh, I mean, she's probably the only writer I can think of that just about made every mistake you can make possible as a writer. You know, and and still wanted to become an, uh, a a great hit and and a, and, a, and a great genius. You know, uh, purely by accident. I wouldn't recommend any of this sort of stuff because it's not going to happen to too many people. Okay, but it happened to her, and it's interesting to talk about. Not to mention that she she really has an interesting, uh, I think, uh, way of looking at the world. So I like I like that and. I'm going to be excited to do that one. Uh, we have a number of other episodes that are coming up this uh, uh, month of May. Let me go over a couple of them with you. I actually got some nice comments back from a few people already, so that's really cool, and, and thank you. All right, so we got, in May, we got Impatience Leads to Literary Disasters. That's going to be fun. Fear is Not Your Shepherd. There you go. Doubt Dies of Thirst in a Rainstorm. You know it. Faith sees without eyesight. Yeah, and writing can be eternal. Well, we hope it can be eternal. I think it'll be eternal if you write about something that, that has some real relevance to the day you live in. Uh, I don't really think we're going to remember about the eternal butterfly poem, okay? So try to keep that in mind, please. All right, folks, God bless. Until next time, take care. Mark Anthony Rossi, Strength to be Human. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.